Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Greetings and salutations. Thanks for joining me here on Plant Business on CannabisRio.com. Next guest, actually, we got to meet them as part of our Plant Profit series when we were broadcasting from, and they reminded me of this, Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference in Miami 2020, right before the pandemic came and really just put took us out, took us into a, like another, you know, dimension for the last three years or so. But anyway, my next guest platform has been referred to as the sales force of cannabis. It is active in over 25 markets, processes, over $2.5 billion in sales. They partner with some of the largest multi-state operators in the country and are responsible for over 35% of all cannabis wholesale orders nationwide. More than 600 brands are working with them and listed on the platform. I'm here with the founder and CEO and president and chief revenue officer of Lead Trade, respectively, James Yee and Michael Piermont. James, Michael, thanks for being on with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Hey, glad to have you on. So you're all nice and cozy in the conference room over there. Uh, so Lease Trade, for those, just to, as a refresher, you help facilitate ordering and fulfillment. It's been more of the marketplace for wholesales or, or wholesalers and retailers in the cannabis space. Lease Trade streamlines the entire ordering and fulfillment process, payment process, and post-sale reporting. Now, Michael, you spoke with the folks at MG Unpacked recently because they were asking uh, various experts about what they look at for the year 2023 forecasting, if you will. And one of the things you told them was this, quote, I think we'll continue to see consolidation in the industry on both the vendor and plant touching sides, especially in states with cluttered competitive markets. The consolidation should lead to a better experience for the end consumer consumer and a more efficient process for operators. So I want to ask you both, how does lease trade answer the call to keep all sectors of any cannabis connected? Yeah. Um, Wow. That's a great quote. Um, Thank you. Well, I've given credit to the one that said it. (laughs) Smart author. Um, right. You know, because the cannabis market is fragmented, not only by state, but also by individual task and B2B supply chain versus B2B, B2C supply chain, there becomes a lot of manual work. And with manual work, there becomes more people. And what happens is the company loses focus of the product or spends more money, time, and effort on manual tasks, just getting the product from point A to point B, right? Now, real quick question. Do you think part of the disconnect there might be, or just where everything can't be in a full cohesive unit, when you're looking at different states and where certain MSOs have to go and operate in separate states, but they're not interconnected, they're not necessarily, they have to just use basically the same form and the same plan to construct and build a whole seed to sell system in another state based on the original idea. Is that something where if, if there was a chance where coast to coast legalization was around, would that make it, would that be a bigger, bigger story? Would that be something that would be, that would make things easier or it's just I mean, that's the disconnect might be just because of the situation we're still in fragment. You know, <clears throat> coast to coast legalization would certainly make 
centralizing and making things um, efficient across the market, M make it, you know, one-stop shop with some things. But when legalization happens, they're still going to have to grandfather in current programs. And so it's not going to be, okay, here are the cannabis rules. There's five rules. Every state has to adopt them. There'll be overarching things like you have to use a seed to sale. But mm -hmm. if Illinois is already using BioTrack and California's metric, that doesn't necessarily mean that one will have to switch, right? And so there will always be some level of fragmentation. There will always be market nuances. I think the MSOs and a lot of the, you know, call them smaller regional MSOs have done a really good job of figuring out those intricacies in each market. And while they still have the same plan or product uh, makeup, you know, they solve for those, they use the technology that, you know, can help them nationally, but also solve for those local nuances. So Leaf Trade integrates with the industry's leading seed to seal platforms like Leaf Logics, Biotrack, and Metric. Now, what I want to find out is because there are so many, there's still platforms that need to communicate with each other. That's what's so important with a platform like Leaf Trade. And trust me, I know we've talked to other kind of similar platforms or others have been around in the market uh, across the board. The one thing is just that it's all this communication to bring every all these different platforms one another, one all together. Eventually, I think there's going to have to be something where it's going to be narrowed down, whittled down so that I, I feel like to keep work behind the scenes, to keep your platform in harmony with these other regulatory systems, is there going to be a day where you think the industry is going to look for some kind of universal standard? Like I know we're looking at right now where in various state cannabis control boards, I always see now where metric is starting to become the end-all, be-all. Will there be a point where on the end of platforms like yours to work with theirs, the regulatory systems, is there going to be a point where the ARPs, where it'll be one speaking to only one? Are we going to narrow that down pretty close? Or do you think there's always going to be room for various systems to communicate with what, what I would think will be the end of the day, one ERP? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, we're in a really early industry. And so I'd say even a few years ago, <laughs> even more, um, you know, participants in the technology space, new ones are always popping up. Um, but I think that we're starting to see sort of clear winners in each respective um, segment of technology, whether it's grow operations and ERP and seed to sale marketplace on the B2B side, B2C side. Um, so I think we'll start to see clear winners in each of the segments, um, not necessarily one kind of unified conglomerate, but kind of clear winner, winners in each of the channels and more definition as to best practices, right? I think that earlier on, you saw in each state weird regulatory rules. You know, remember some of these seat sale folks had to do things in partnership with the regulatory bodies and how they, um, you know, create their platform, platform nuances and stuff like that. I think you're starting to see, um, you know, clear definitions for best practices, um, you know, that's more practical for the operations. And so you see less weird rules that people have to work around. Um, and, you know, we, you know, I, uh, those are the kind of improvements that we're seeing. Even, even things as simple as universal catalogs. So things are a cure leaf product is named the same thing in their grow on their storefront in a dispensary in their dispensary on a e-commerce platform. You know, when you start getting 
um, consistency across all the different platforms, then people can move faster. Um, there's not this translation of these different platforms. And then it becomes easier to connect. I think we try to do that because we get the inventory um, and essentially the product catalog almost as early as anyone in the industry. We try to be really, really focused on making sure data in to the start of the supply chain, good data out at the yeah, that's chain. that's really key because as you start to work with these organizations that are larger and larger, they tend to always have you know a handful of technology platforms that they use in their ecosystem, right? So right. different departments maybe use different tech platforms. Other departments maybe use other ones that are specific for their operational workflows. But the sooner um, and earlier on in the supply chain. Um, where those systems can speak to each other and the data can be consistent, um, that will just have so much more uh, benefit downstream. Um, and that's really what we're able to do. James, I want to ask you now, I saw that recently you, uh, one of the things, you know, I always wanted, like, I love to hear is that when there's companies like the yours that are just, it's on the software side, it's on the, you know, just that part of that communication side, but also one thing when you actually go on the ground, so for yourself, it wasn't too long ago that you actually helped to launch several dispensaries in uh, what well, you previously helped to work uh, launching several dispensaries in the Illinois legal market. And that just came out. But like the thing is, it's one of those things where I know that your team will go on the ground and you'll go there to various, uh, you know, either the retail, the cultivator, cultivator side to actually see the supply chain and process and to see how leaf trade is working for that and a perfect flow. So Real quickly, how often do you get a chance to go and get on the ground to be able to see that everything in action to continue to just tinker, monitor, and continue to improve and innovate? Oh, I mean, every opportunity that we can get, right? I think in the earlier days, because I have had that hands-on experience, it was kind of like an everyday thing. But, you know, we encourage, you know, everybody on our team, whether it's sales, even people on the product side, to at least get some type of experience on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you are trying to be a technology platform that's uh, more or less defining, um, you know, best practices and systems, you can't do that in a vacuum. You've got to do that in partnership with your clients, right? right. Um, and so I think that um, the best way to do that is to be on the ground and see what their workflows are. That way you can really have put on that consultative hat and work in partnership with uh, with your customers in the market uh, to find to develop the the best system. Right. right. Let's go to commercial break. We're going to come on back. We're going to go and talk more uh, with my guests here from the folks at Leaf Trade, James Yee, CEO and founder, and Michael Piermont, President and CRO of Leaf Trade here on Blunt Business. We'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to Blow Business. I'm here with James Yee, the founder and CEO, and Michael Piermont, president and chief revenue officer of Leaf Trade. By the way, website, the website, if you're going to want to take a look while we're doing this, you know, a little second screen action, leaf.trade. That's the website. Make sure to take a look at that. And let's go ahead and move along here. Uh, I want to ask about a story that came out from Rolling Stone. Now, it was a, one of those uh, 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 culture council type pieces, but the article, just something right off the bat, there was something that was just brought up to me that, I, that, that caught my attention. Wow. They published an article that was titled, What are GMP Standards and Why Should the Global Cannabis Market Care? And we've heard about good uh, manufacturing practices for a while here on the program, especially when it comes to Canada. And you know, and also in the international markets, it's been very uh, somewhat of a standard to be put out there and try to be instituted. But we don't have anything like that in the U.S. as of yet. Now, the author wrote about how cannabis business leaders should take a proactive approach to appliance. I completely agree. I've said that ad nauseum the program. I mean, all of 2022, I mean, if you heard me say the word compliance, take a shot, you would have been drunk. Honestly, it was that much. Now, what I want to ask you is talk to me about the response that your MSO partners and your partners in general have thought about going above and beyond the bare minimums required by state cannabis control boards, because that was a longstanding thing, even going back to 2016 when I remember going to the first conference of cannabis, uh, the NCIA's uh, Cannabis Business Summit. And that was the first thing brought up to me. People are not reaching that level of compliance and that some states are not as compliant as others and others don't have that strict, those strict standards in front of them internally. What do you say? I would say it's probably the area that our large clients and really even going down to call them our medium-sized clients are concerned with the most. Mm -hmm. So not only uh, um, compliance on the cannabis side, but banking and regulatory compliance, uh, making sure that their consumers, um, you know, financial information is secure, SOC 2, SOC 1. Um, so it is becoming a more important and uh, bigger priority for our, all of our clients. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something that we have had to make sure that we solve for to make sure that we can, you know, meet the needs of our large enterprise clients because yeah. the bigger you get, right, the more opportunity you have to be uncompliant or the more issues that can arise right and so they are really trying to get ahead of it um, especially some of these companies become you know global cannabis companies um, it's something that we have experienced with in different ventures um, and it can be challenging you know the european um, groups have different data standards as we do here um, and marrying those up but it's something that you know, they're definitely focused on. And fortunately for us, this is an area that we're, you know, really familiar with. You got to remember, you know, we started in, in the state that's arguably the very first of the highly regulated newly emerging markets in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And the bar and, and the standard for compliance, whether from a production perspective or like Piermont said, um, from a financial perspective, is, was the highest, right? So in the early days, you know, it was a slower start because of that. That was a big contributor to things rolling out a little bit slower. But I think that our clients, uh, really because they focused on that compliance um, so heavily early on, it's just become embedded in the way that they do things every day. Um, and so as they expand even west into these less as regulated markets, they're maintaining those standards, right? And even going to certain states where there might not be those standards, um, they they might go in and say, you know what, 
it's too wild here. We, you know, we might be pulling out of the state, right? Yeah. I want to just continue to instill the fear of God to all these business owners, all these multi-state operators and all these cannabis business owners out there. Okay. This, no matter the size and scape, uh, scope of the MSO that you are, remember, if you're at such a, a level, I always like to go and refer back to the cannabis, the Canada market and can't trust holdings. It wasn't that long ago, October 15, 2019. The report was they were going to have to destroy $77 million of plants and inventory because a license suspension and failing to comply with regulations as authorized by Health Canada. Now, we don't have that here yet. I and mean, we don't have a, a federal governing body like that yet over compliance. But when they do, just imagine if that happens. And that company, I think they had to, they had to change your name. Like you can't even survive, barely survive what happened there. But that is the extreme example of compliance, if not handled correctly, which is why I think for me, a proactive approach, as this Rolling Stone article says, is more important to me. I always use that as the, as the standard example. I don't know if when you look at that yourself, is that something you always ever look at? Is that something that maybe within circles that when compliance is brought up with your partners or in general, is that something that stands as an example that says, listen, you don't want to be like CanTrust? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like James said, I think the good news is most of our clients and most of the markets that we <laughs> drive in and work in this is kind of standard operating procedure. They grew up in a very highly regulated new emerging market where there wasn't enough inventory to go around. So it was all about being compliant and making sure you follow the rules. And that was really the core of their business. Um, so it's something that's been a priority. It's a priority for leaf trade, but everyone knows you know, the bad examples and points to those if need be. Um, even you know, Western states, maybe not as new as in Illinois, but like in Arizona or Nevada, um, we've even seen the folks come into those markets, um, you know, with with more of a regulation, regulate regulatory background, and kind of even focus more on that's great, we can do this, but let's make sure we do it right. I'd also add that, you know, and encourage just speaking personally from experience that like, when you're working with financial institutions or you're working with regulatory bodies, like you said, having that proactive approach and really communicating with them, right? Maybe you're going through some challenges or have questions about how to interpret some rules, like talk to them, right? Because people have, have this notion that these institutions, whether it's regulatory bodies or you know banks or whatever, that they've got it all figured out and they're like this, you know, kind of wizard behind the curtain that just knows everything. Like they're people and they're generally speaking vested in, you know, the interest of your success, right? And, you know, just having that open dialogue and going to them first and having that proactive approach and that conversation is really the best way to go. The thing I also want to ask is in the same end where, if compliance is going to be an issue, oh, there's obviously now companies out there that are working with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning, trying to revolutionize the industry. And I can imagine there are large operators out there and really just large corporate uh, companies that are out there running, you know, in the cannabis, uh, cannabis industry, where they're looking at, can they find ways to avoid the overhead of uh, extra people on the ground in the cultivation? So if the grow can have something where, they can look at you know any kind of uh, 
issues of bacteria, yeast mold within the plants themselves. If they can do things where to protect and to secure the grounds and they can use it through AI and machine learning, I think some companies might look at that as a cost-saving measure while still trying to retain compliance. Is that something you're seeing There's a transition to it? Are some companies you see looking to try to go and do more of that so they don't have to hire so many people They can try to keep where the technology stands in place and that's the investment they want to make instead of people? So from a macro level, yes. I see both on the retail and on the manufacturing or GP side, folks are figuring out how can we make things easier through tech and instead of having folks manually enter data from one system to another or um, manually pack systems from one to another or back and forth, how can we or have our customer do more in the system so we have to do less right in an order? Um, I think AI um, and even blockchain in some of those areas, we're still a little bit away from that just because we need to clean up the data. We need to make sure you know the systems are talking and connected. Then AI can start seeing patterns and move things faster. But there is this notion that you know the market has to consolidate from a technology and vendor perspective because you've got to be able to do more with less if you're selling your product for less. And generally, cannabis is selling for less this year than it was last year. Right. And so you're going to either have to get rid of people and or use technology and also sell more. And so we're seeing that um, and it's good and it's happening fast. That's one thing that people forget is because of the newness of cannabis and because of, you know, I think just the startup and and building foundation that everyone has. When people want to make changes in cannabis, generally they can go faster. Right. It's newer. It's easier. There's more companies out there that are looking to change and innovate. So it's happening and we're seeing it um, move more towards technology. But at the same time, what's nice is, is there is a people aspect to cannabis, right? People really care about the product uh, generally. And so you're seeing where can cannabis help, you know, move the plant faster or more efficiently, but not replace people completely. Yeah, I think that, you know, in our conversations every day with our clients, it's generally in the lens of like, hey, how do we empower our existing people today so that they're not, they're doing less of the minutiae and manual processes and having technology help them with that. And then, you know, our clients are scaling rapidly, right? And kind of looking ahead to how they scale, whether they're from 100 to 500 to 1,000 employees today to you know, three, five, 10,000 employees in the next few years, how they can help their existing infrastructure to scale, right? Um, and that's where kind of the, the lens is and how they look at technology and platforms like, like ours, where they, the more and more um, we help out with their existing workflows, they can leverage us in data-driven, more automated workflows, right? Now, I want to go back to the story from Rolling Stone about good manufacturing practices. They talk about how they could potentially have financial impact on the cannabis industry. Here's what they say. Now, deciding to go GMP could potentially have lasting financial impacts on cannabis businesses willing to do the work. When they go on the right, more profit could also be made from higher prescription revenues when consumers are covered by state or private insurance providers. And they're, in the author's experience, these providers tend to pay more than what medicinal cannabis is worth on the regular market. And that GMP designation is a medical caliber quality signal. So James and Michael, what do you think about 
taking the GMP practices model that is in international markets and in Canada, if it's applied in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a lot of validity to say that the health side of cannabis is absolutely should be covered by insurance. It's replacing many pharmaceutical drugs that cost less to make and are selling for more, right? So just mm -hmm. think about that. They cost less to make and you can repeat the process and they sell them for more when cannabis costs more to make, is sold for less and probably better for you than some of these pills. So that is definitely a reality. Um, the adult use, that's where the fork comes in, right? And how, where the line is drawn. Um, I think originally a big push was to treat cannabis only through dispensaries, right? And take that medical angle. So that's the the balance that I think we'll, we're going to try to have to figure out. But I agree. I mean, better quality product leads to um, more involvement from, from health, health insurance, wellness, which benefits everyone. Well, I, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I think that consumers want to ensure that the products that they're getting are, you know, minimizing in, uh, you know, contaminants of the highest grade quality. Uh, but I think the problem that you're pointing at is there's a little bit of like, hey, like in the U.S. specifically, right, there are these federal restrictions that even prevent some of these companies from getting the type of um, the stamp of approval, uh, GMP type of certification uh, that other industries can actually go through the process of getting. You know, we've worked with some, we've worked with hemp and CBD companies and because it's federally legal, they can go through that process and get that stamp of approval, right? So I think you're absolutely right that I think cannabis should have that's be treated with that same um, type of um, access to those types of certifications so that, you know, ultimately the end consumers are, are benefiting the most from it, right? And I'd like to see, get more information just to see if that idea is going to apply very well in the U.S. or does the U.S. decide to go and do something, a similar model, put their own kind of, spin on it i mean it, but the thing is i've never been able to find anywhere even with hemp they always try to say, oh here's certified seal here's certificate of analysis all these different areas of trying to brand or try to identify with a yeah. certain kind of label of distinction that's going to be across the board and it's, it's been very hard to really make something that's really that a good standard yeah that that very well may be right because it's such a unique and new industry there could be a whole new different type <laughs> of process specific, specific to the industry that um, opens up, right? But what we already see working with a lot of the, the biggest and best operators in the country right now, they're already producing stuff at the standards that we're talking about, right? They're just not able to kind of market it in the traditional sense with those stamp approvals and certifications. Mm -hmm. um, so there needs to be some type of practical way of um, having access to that kind of thing and, and communicating with that, you know, that with the end consumer, whether it's a new paradigm or getting access to, you know, existing um, paradigms that are that are open to other industries. So we're going to come on back. We're going to talk about some of the accomplishments that Lee Trade has had over the past year and really just give people a little more in-depth and just a good idea of what you're providing at Lee Trade and what people should do to go ahead and connect with you and what they want to get themselves involved with you and they want to have their own, their business wants to go ahead and connect with you. We're going to talk about that after a short break. And here once again with, 
the founder and CEO of Leaf Trade, James Yee, and also President and Chief Revenue Officer of Leaf Trade, Michael Piermont. Here on Blunt Business, we'll be back after a short break. By the way, website is leaf.trade. Take a look at that while we go to break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. We're rounding up the home stretch. I'm here with James Yee and Michael Piermont of Leaf Trade here on Blunt Business. And real quickly, I wanted to look at on your blog, you actually put out a, a your year in review. So, you know, pump the chest. There's a lot that's happened. The platform was launched this past year in Utah, Oregon, Missouri, West Virginia, Florida, Maine, Arkansas. You have, uh, with new states, you onboard a new cannabis wholesalers. You mentioned Cure Leaf, Pharmacana, True Leaf. And there's a whole lot going on right now. A 73% increase in order count. There's a whole lot going on. Lead Trade's one of the leaders when it comes to this space. And I want to give you a couple of minutes just to go ahead and talk about what you're doing at Leaf Trade in terms of what cultivators, distributors, and retailers should be doing to connect with you. Yeah, um, I think what's really, really nice about Leaf Trade is we have, a few years ago, we've decided, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's not charge onboarding fees or monthly static fees. Let's put the usage and the dollar amount in the control of our customers. So when a new customer comes on board, um, we onboard them. There's no limit to the onboarding. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes <laughs> right. four or five months, 10 months, 12 months, depending on where they are in the market, what market they're in, what we have to do. During that time, usually it's really about cleaning up or centralizing their data, making sure that their um, all of their product catalog and naming conventions are correct. This will serve them really well in the future. And once they get on, they pay an order fee based on the transactions or the number of orders they transact through the platform. But what's nice is we don't charge them a license fee. We don't charge them monthly fees or anything like that, which really encourages them to collaborate and use Leaf Trade with their whole organization. So there's an accounting module where their you know, AR and AP teams, depending on which side, can come in, but they don't have to get lost in the production side of Leaf Trade. There's um, the production side of Leaf Trade where they don't have to get lost in the sales side, right? So it keeps the organization, big or small, um, very organized. And what we found is even large organizations, when they start a new market, they're really a micro organization in that new market, right? It's They're figuring it out. They've got new market leaders. So whether you're a big company in a new market or a you know medium company in an old market or a new company in a, a um, West Coast market, Leaf Trade really kind of wraps around what you're doing and scales up, right? Which is nice because we want to encourage people to use the platform correctly, not make decisions because they don't want to pay for five more users or 10 more users. So people, we've noticed this has always been kind of our goal and strategy, but we've noticed over the last two or three years, we've really become um, the core a stack or platform with a lot of these large cultivators. And now because we've built up that equity, it's really helping retailers do their job, buy faster, buy more efficiently, and really connect the sides. So that's what we've been doing. And we're simple, like you said in the beginning, we're simple software focused folks. Mm -hmm. um, when the product is ready to be sold in any form, 
to you know delivery of the product in the dispensary we like all the stuff in between um and lately we've just been trying to grow deeper within the organization whether that be dashboards so they can optimize their data and make their data actionable with faster sales or faster orders or our payment mechanism leafpay which is a seller helps you collect payments faster and as a buyer you know you don't have to pay for leave pay but also helps again shrink those manual processes down um, even if it's 30 minutes here 50 minutes here you may save an employee or be able to redirect your time yeah. so the thesis and where we started it hasn't really changed it's cut down on the manual processes and connect the b2b to the retail side um, we're probably just moving faster getting tighter and our customers are getting bigger um, and we're, you know, getting deeper and deeper in, in the new markets. The last thing I'll say, it's been really exciting, even in a state like Illinois, where a new batch of dispensaries are coming on. Mm -hmm. So these are your social equity dispensaries. Um, and we just had a new batch in Illinois come on that, and we have new brands coming in like Wild and Steezy and, and Gron, who are coming in here, jumping into leave trade, saying, oh, I wish we had this in other markets. This is great. This connects everyone. Um, so it's been encouraged to see that even though the some of the West Coast brands who maybe didn't grow up with leave trade, uh, maybe there was another provider or they didn't use anything, are jumping in and seeing value. Yeah. Build, building on what Michael was saying is that, mm -hmm. you know, we started in these markets where we built a solution and a platform around larger enterprise level folks. So the departments within those companies, whether it's the fulfillment production side or sales, accounting and finance, they can go through their workflows and work with each other really well. But we found that as we expand into, um, you know, uh, more established states out West, where there's a variety of type of players, whether it's, you know, bigger single state operators there or smaller mom and pop folks that our platform scales really well to all different business sizes. And what's really exciting to see, like what, what Michael was saying is that these new businesses that are popping up, you know, dispensaries will come to us and say, hey, we're brand new. We don't have any relationships. We want to connect to the best supply that's out there in the market. Where do we go? It's like leaf trade, right. come to leaf. It's the best place to make those connections. It's, you know, equal opportunity place where you can um, build those relationships and start getting into business right away, one-stop shop. And then also seeing these well-established brands in the West Coast coming into the East Coast markets and saying, hey, how do we build relationships with the folks out here? Leaf Trade is the place to be. So it's been really exciting to see all of those different kind of uh, nuances and dynamics happening on Leaf Trade. You mentioned Illinois. I was just looking right now. Hats up to that marijuana moment. Uh, they reported from the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. 2022 set adult use cannabis records in all categories. It tracks $1.5 billion in sales revenue, 12% increase from last year, 131% increase from 2020. So there is, a, you know, Illinois is doing very well in the market. I know there were changes in social equity there, the licensing. So things are going right good there. And I'm glad everything's going well for lease trade. So, Again, the website is leaf.trade. And for those who want to do a schedule a demo with you, what is there anything they should have before they get themselves set to go and connect with you, whether it's on the cultivation side or the retail side? 
No, I mean, we like people to come with open <laughs> ideas and bring your problems, but I should say cannabis problems. Don't bring me all your problems. <laughs> um, you can bring them. We just can't solve them all. Um, and we're really, really interactive. We're hands-on. Um, we've been known to switch screen shares and, and put people and, you know, jump in, but we're easily accessible. We're all very uh, involved in day-to-day -day interactions with our clients. Um, and we usually come in and kind of assess what you guys um, are doing. And then we come in and say, hey, you know, here's how we would do things differently using technology. Thank you again, James G. Michael Piermont with Leaf Trade. Thanks for being with us here on Blunt Business. Really, re really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thanks, it was fun. Awesome. All right, and listeners, thanks for listening into another Blunt Business. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.